welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay. Hi, my name is Irvin and I'm the leader for this meeting. Uh, our meeting topic is Tools for Travel, Staying Sober on the Road. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. Thank you. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Can I remind everyone that this is a tape meeting in the spirit of the 12th step? The tape recorder cannot be turned off. If you do not wish to be taped, we suggest that you choose another meeting at which to share or feel free to simply listen at this meeting. At this time, I would like to introduce uh, our speaker, Dave T. from Lawton, Oklahoma, who will share his experience, strength and hope for approximately 10 minutes minutes on this topic. Good morning. My name is Dave, and I'm a sexaholic. My sobriety date is November 23rd, 1990. Uh, Let me read from my recovery note that I wrote. I was ready to kill myself because life couldn't get any better. And then I found SA. Now I have 17 years of sobriety and therefore some recovery. It only happened one day at a time, going to meetings, having a sponsor to bounce ideas off, working the steps, doing service, and going to fellowship as well as retreats and conferences ensured success. What is it like now? I have integrity. That almost says it all. I have integrity. I've traveled to at least 25 countries in recovery, some two or three times. I'm serving my higher power in unique ways that only a person reaping the 12 promises could do. I can never be sufficiently grateful for the gift I have been given. When I was in my disease, I was not safe any place. Any place I went, I always gave myself a little extra time in case I got lucky, in case something happened. Uh, I could arrive late or early, whichever mm, uh, I needed to do, because I had good excuses for not getting there on time. Um, And... Uh, I could never go straight someplace. I always had to detour past this place or that place or another acting out place. And uh, in recovery, I can get there on time. And I can go straight there. I don't have to stop here and there and everywhere. 
as I say, I travel uh, quite a bit and uh, travel quite a bit in the United States also. And God has given me a reprieve when I travel from the disease. In the AA Big Book, it says, you know, if we need to go into a bar to get somebody, we can go in. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been given a reprieve. But why? I think one reason is I work a program when I'm not traveling. When I'm not traveling, I go to three meetings. I was going to three meetings. I've dropped it to two meetings in the city, which is about an hour and 20 minutes away in Oklahoma City, and one meeting in my hometown. So I do three meetings a week. And I do some service work. And I attend regional retreats twice a year and the conventions twice a year. So I work a program when I can, when I'm available, so that when I'm not available, uh, you know, I can miss time. Now, I can travel for six weeks and be in another country and not go to meetings and be okay. I don't try and do that when I'm home. When I'm home, I go to every meeting I can that are committed meetings for me. Uh, when when I travel, I think about my sobriety ahead of time, and I pray about it. If I'm going on a trip, I pray to be sober on that trip. If it's a short trip, um, in early in recovery, I would specifically get into a hotel room and get on my knees and pray to dedicate that room to sobriety for that night to dedicate that room to sobriety. Uh, I understand that um, uh, a lot of people have trouble with the television. I don't have trouble with the television. I turned mine off when I got into recovery. And uh, I don't have a TV now. But, um, uh, you know, you can call ahead to the hotel and ask them to remove the television. That's taking care of yourself if you need to do that or to remove the internet wire. Um, I um, uh, dedicate the room. I also, before I travel, I find, I, I contact central office or I go on the web and I find a number for somebody in the area where I'm going. I don't necessarily go to a meeting you usually don't have a chance to get to a meeting in that area, but I have the phone number of somebody that I can call. It gives me this security blanket. It's like I know somebody here, and uh, if I get in trouble, I can phone them. Of course, now with the cell phone, it is so easy to call anybody uh, when when I'm traveling. My sponsor probably gets more calls from me when I'm stuck in traffic than any other time. Because I'm sitting there and I'm getting a little bit frustrated. And so I call my sponsor and say, oh, well, we haven't talked in a little while. <laughs> How you doing? And, and that. Uh, because I can't, it doesn't do me good to get upset about things, to stay 
calm and relaxed and 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 that. Um, you know, I, I, I get a number. I do attend meetings in other places. And that is so good for me to see that my, I knew my disease was in all those other places, but it does me good to see that recovery is in those other places also. And uh, uh, it, it's also good to see that there is another way, other ways of running a meeting. You know, there's not just the right way, which is the way we do it at home. And uh, so to, to find the, the right way. Um, I pray when I'm traveling in an airport to take custody of my eyes. And I try and sit in positions where I'm not looking at the concourse and looking at everybody walking. I sit so that my back is to that and, uh, you know, I'm facing a wall or whatever and I have something to read. Uh, my, my first overseas trip in recovery, uh, First or second one, I guess, was to, uh, I was going to Nepal and I had a stopover for a few days in Bangkok, Thailand. And it had me worried. Cause I'd heard about it. You know, it was, in my disease, it was my dream place. And, and I was very concerned about it and, um, uh, I was going on a, a short mission trip, and uh, I contacted the the mission office and said, you know, I'm worried about staying in a hotel in Bangkok, and because uh, they say that people, you know, you take a taxi and people drug you and all of this stuff. And she says, oh, didn't we tell you about the Christian guest house? I went, no. Well, there was a guest house there. You didn't have to be a Christian. You just had to know the name of the guest house. And it was run for missionaries who had to leave India every year. They had to leave the country in order to get a new visa to go to be in the country. Uh, a number of the people who stayed there were couples who went to Thailand to adopt children. And so there were these young couples there adopting children. I got to feel like a grandfather because, you know, they'd, they'd bring them back to this guest house. The first night they had the child and the child would cry all night and they'd be apologizing to everybody. It's okay. It's okay. So I had that kind of atmosphere instead of a hotel atmosphere. In a number of countries, I have stayed in guest houses instead of a hotel. And it's a more family-oriented situation and doesn't have all the amenities, but it's a, a, a better situation for me. Uh, when I travel, I stay with, uh, I also stay with families and, um, which is much better than than trying to stay in a hotel. So, you know, I don't ha I don't have a lot of experience with staying in a lot of hotels in other countries. Um, I'll probably think of lots of things to say later. <laughs> uh, 
I guess the, the main thing is, uh, oh, I also carry my white book. Or, you know, when I came into the program, the program I, everything was black and white for me. And with all the highlighting I have done, my book is now Technicolor, like my life is now Technicolor. I carry my white book and I read it. I also, in my backpack or in my luggage, I have a couple of pamphlets from S.A., and I am always ready to talk to somebody if the need arises or the situation arises about my recovery. Quite often I'm with religious leaders who are complaining about all the alcoholism and everything and they don't see alcoholism as a, a disease or they don't see sexaholism as a disease and I can talk to them about it and I can give them a pamphlet. I was in Mongolia, and I, I was talking to a, a person who kind of coordinated the AA program there. They had two AA meetings in Mongolia. And um, so they opened the meeting, and I gave my story, my essay story, at these two AA meetings. And had people going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, you know, a couple of them, well, what can we do? Uh, I left the, I left the brochure, so it has now been translated into Mongolian, uh, and said, maybe you can work it through an AA sponsor or, uh, you know, get two of you and sponsor each other. Uh, at least it, you know, the seed was planted. Uh, I don't know whether anything came of that, but I know I'm sober from doing it. And for all of these things, uh, you know, the, the outreach that I do, uh, I don't know if it's helped anybody else, but it's kept me, helped keep me sober. And so I'm, I'm willing to tell. I was in Haiti, um, about three months ago, and, uh, I was with a team of about, there were about 12 of us. And I mentioned something to one of the fellows about my recovery, just, you know, kind of an off-sided statement. And, and he asked a little more, and, and I said a little more, and he says, have you told anybody else about this? And I said, no. And he says, oh. Well, by the time we left Haiti, he says, you know, I want to go to one of those meetings. Uh... I've, I've called him twice and he has not chosen to go, so I don't know where he is on that. But, uh, uh, you know, in the middle of Haiti, pick up another person to go to a meeting in, in, in Oklahoma. Uh, I guess the best thing that I can say is I am prepared. I have prayed before I go. I pray while I'm there. I do my 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 prayers while I'm there. If I'm where I can, if I'm traveling in the U.S., I make phone calls. If I'm outside the U.S., almost every place I've been, even in developing and third world countries, there are internet cafes, at least in the capital, that I can be in contact with people. So those are just a few ideas. Uh, I don't travel scared. I travel with security that my higher power will will be with me wherever I go. I know he's big enough to be any place. Thank you.
Uh, we will now open the uh, floor for sharing. Because our common welfare comes first, uh, here are the guidelines for uh, sharing during this meeting. If uh, for, for the per we have a small group actually, so I would just invite you all to come up to this chair and speak in the microphone. And uh, just form like a, a line when the next guy comes up. If you want to speak, just come up to the chair then. You just uh, go that way. Um, keep your sharing to two to three minutes, maybe longer, since you're a smaller group. Um, and please uh, stay close to the microphone and speak clearly. Our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength and hope in recovery. We focus on the SA 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors or publications other than SA or AA conference approved literature. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis here is on recovery, the solution, using the steps in our everyday lives. And please remember again that this meeting is being taped. The floor is now open for sharing. My name is Paul Sexaholic. Hey, Paul. I do uh, a, a bit of traveling monthly, um, quite a bit. Uh, and hotel rooms, motel rooms are, have, have, have been a source of difficulty for me. Uh, anyway, one of the, and, and, you know, adult, adult rated movies, you know, it's like hit the menu and they're, they're available and it's kind of like, oh man, but yeah, I gotta check it out, you know, anyway, so. One of the things I discovered is, uh, and it's like I don't know if the hotel is going to have, you know, adult-rated movies or not. I, I finally figured out how you know it has pay-for-view movies. Those that don't have pay-for-view movies don't <laughs> have this adult stuff. And it was like, oh, well, I can just pick the hotels or the motels that don't have pay-for-view movies, and it's like I'm safe. Uh, that's been one of my discoveries. Uh, it seems like a simple thing, but it took a while for me to discover it. Uh, one of the other, uh, one of the other things that has been a problem with, with, uh, hotels or motels is, uh, you know, I can get the phone book out and just look up certain topics in the yellow pages. Uh, I won't tell you what the topics are in case you haven't discovered what the topics are. Uh, and I know that this is, these are our places where, uh, you know, I could buy sex, which has been a problem for me. Um, and it's, it's not uh, recently. I'm not going to say it's not anymore. It's just not recently. Uh, oh, and by the way, Dave has always been an inspiration for me because I started the program back in 88. Uh, I was not as fortunate as Dave, uh, but uh, my latest recovery date's uh, five years ago, January 8th. Um, one of the other things that I've discovered in traveling, I, I, I travel somewhat by car pretty much. Uh, I happen to have a degree in English literature. Uh, <clears throat> when I was getting my degree, I was just getting my degree. I wasn't trying to uh, learn anything. Uh, and what I found is that I can, and when I bought a new car, I made sure that not only did it have the CD, you can't get, I mean, I had to order the tape deck specifically for the car because they don't come in cars anymore. But I can just check 
books on tape out of the library, either CDs or tapes. Uh, I've read all kinds of, of, I've listened to all kinds of neat novels in the last few years. Uh, novels that tie in, say like, uh, I, I work with some people that are, are, are involved in the legal system because of this addiction. Uh, you know, they are guests of the state or the federal government. Uh, and I listened to like Bleak House. Bleak House is a novel about the legal system in England in the 1850s by Charles Dickens. It was 28 tapes long, but it is absolutely priceless as far, I mean, it's like the same thing is happening today. Uh, it's just amazing. And I have, so I have been able to just, I go to the library, I check out a, a, a book on tape or a book on CD and able to listen to it and it's like it's enriching. It's like I get to the hotel or the motel or wherever I'm going, and I stay in the. It's like I got to finish that chapter. You know, it's like I I am bored and rest. And in the past, it was like it would just drive me right out of my mind. It was my, it was it was mind numbing to be driving all the time. Uh, someone mentioned traffic. Like Dave mentioned being in traffic. I don't have to call anybody. It's like I turn off my cell phone so that nobody can call me while I'm listening to this 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 uh, this this literature, this piece of literature, this novel. Uh, I get in traffic. Doesn't matter because I'm I am I am so enjoying what I'm doing, and it's it's enriching my mind. It's 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 expanding it. Uh, it's a great opportunity. So rather than Rather than fearing the travel now, it's kind of like I look forward to it because I'm going to get to listen to another uh, another book. Uh, and I went into literature. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I hated poems. Uh, I like to I like novels, you know. And it's like I did all. I went through all of my undergrad practically, and most of my graduate work, and 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 didn't get a real novel course until the end of my graduate courses. <laughs> you know, so it was like I I got the degree to get the degree, and now it's like I'm using I'm using my knowledge and my opportunity to to enrich myself, and it is it is so exciting. Uh, it's great to be alive. Uh, it's great to not have to worry about the uh, all the all the uh, the threats to sobriety that I've had in the past. Uh, and one of the that was a great thing that that Dave was mentioning. I never ever thought of it like kneeling down uh, when I get in the room and and pray that this this room will be a, a gift of sobriety for me. Uh, great idea. I guess I can baptize anything, even motel room, huh? By my by what I do. Thank you. My name is Paul Sexholic. Thanks, Paul. I'm Murray Sexaholic. Hey, Murray. Um, this is a great topic. Uh, travel for me is um, one of the biggest triggers um, that I face. Um, I have uh, probably had um, oh, 15 years of very active um, acting out and I um, have traveled uh, and I've been in the program uh, for about seven years and um, I travel a lot for my work and I stay in many uh, cities all over um, all over the world um, and um, uh, I've acted out in almost every single city that I've gone to and um, 
it's so bad that even in the program, um, when I first got into the program and I wanted, uh, you know, I was white knuckling and trying to stop, I was in London. And there was one night that I literally got out of bed five different times and with white knuckle put myself back into bed. And what I was going to do each time I was getting out of bed was to go out and act out. And um, um, I still have the problem. Um, you know, if I ever lose my sobriety, it's because I'm traveling. And... Um, you know, I've adopted some things that have really helped a lot, which is um, I, uh, I, I call my wife, and who is um, really my biggest uh, recovery partner, and I, I talk to her, and that really helps, but it doesn't help if I'm not being honest. Without honesty, I am uh, I'm totally lost, and... Um, so the first thing I need to do is take an inventory of am I being honest and um, am I willing to be honest? And um, that's the first thing I tell my wife is am I being honest or am I not being honest? Um, it, when I've traveled, I haven't, I feel like I don't need to be accountable. Um, it's like I'm free. Uh, I'm uh, all bounds are and boundaries are gone. I'm my own person, um, and it's just my attic going absolutely nuts. And um, uh, and you know, whereas I would never go to a peep show around my house if I go past the. Uh, you know, a pornographic store or something like that. I I have uh, I, I really have to um, uh, resist and and then surrender the desire to to go. The comment to not look at people or to face away in airports um, is really uh, um, is really a good idea. Um, it was so bad when I was active that my brain would just be flooded. Uh, that finally, what I had to do is I had to literally count the number of women that were going by me that I would rate as a seven or above, and I would count them. You know, those who you know, I would take uh, percentages, and I would get myself up to you know uh, maybe 150, and then my brain would be so over flooded that I would just go into like this deep depression where I couldn't look at anybody, male or female. And um, so today, uh, the, the, the good news is that um, I do, I continue to travel. Um, I'm actually thinking about it's maybe the, how many years does it take? Maybe I ought to change my job. Um, and, um, and the point is, I now want to stop. <laughs> I think that's the most important thing. Uh, and and and, um, uh, and and I have set up some tools uh, that will help me, including making phone calls, uh, writing. Uh, writing helps a lot. Um, not bringing my computer with me. Um, uh, not ever looking at yellow pages. Whoever said that? <laughs> that's a really important thing. Um, and um, and just uh, really taking it one day at a time while I'm traveling, um, and and um, and really each time I take a hit, releasing it, 
saying a prayer, serenity prayer has become my best friend. Um, and it's I can't tell you how many times I say it to myself uh, per day. And uh, thanks. Thanks, Murray. Thanks, Murray. I am Walter, and I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Walter. Hey, Walter. This, I'm really grateful for seeing this topic on the uh, on the program because this is my top plate. This really is, you know, I, I spent 25 years traveling, and it was the rocket fuel that propelled my addiction. Uh, when I was before I came into the program, I came to the states two weeks at a time. I could not get from the airport to the hotel without acting out. Um, and I've had varying degrees of success. It was really, you know, I, I sat here listening to Dave share and I was, you know, judging and thinking, oh, you know, he just travels around the US and, you know, it's easy for him. And then <laughs> as you shared, I just thought, you know, you've, you know, he's travelled far more than I have to far more remote places, and there's there's no barrier that I that I've come up against that that clearly he hasn't uh, done with with bells on. So, you know, uh, my God knows what I need to hear. Um, I just took two things: one to describe the absolute powerlessness of this disease. Uh, I was actually in the program. I called somebody. Uh, this is probably. 10 years ago I called somebody I made a commitment not to look at the TV I took the fuse out of the plug while I was on the phone to this member threw it out of the window and in the middle of the night I was taking the fuse out of the kettle to put it in the TV so I could put it on uh, you know that that's actually one of the things that I kind of remind myself how powerless I am that but uh, I tend to feel very Disconnected when I travel, uh, airports, the anonymity, uh, and somebody already described the sort of nobody knows who I am, where I am, what I'm doing, and, and it just kind of all these triggers from the past. And, and some of the techniques that have been described, I certainly use the, the one about sitting and facing away. I tend to sit and look out on the runway and watch planes moving around and things because that just stops me looking at, at women. Um, I also do that in restaurants where I eat out with my wife. I always sit facing the wall because otherwise, you know, instead of looking and listening to my wife, my head's going everywhere. Um, I think at a, at a convention a couple of years ago, I was sharing about my difficulties with the TV in hotel rooms. And uh, I think it was probably Harvey who said, you know, you just can't handle the TV. You know, you just need to ask for it to be removed. And the first time I had to do that was in France, and uh, the guy didn't understand English very well, and, and there was a real battle. But you know, I went through it, and, and on a number of occasions, you know, the shame of doing that has reduced. And uh, you know, for me now, it's no problem to ask for that. Uh, and I emailed here, and, and uh, came here, and the TV was still in the room, and I rung the front desk and said, you know. I asked for the TV to be removed, and they said it can't be. So, just had to accept that you know I've taken the right action. It's when I'm unwilling to take the action that the problem arises. Uh, so, you know, the TV hasn't been a problem for me here. Uh, I haven't turned it on because I know that the moment I turn it on, I have no control over what I do with it. 
Um, but the tip about staying in guest houses, you know, it never ever occurred to me. I travel back and forth from Germany to the UK every month or so, and just the idea that I can just find a guest house somewhere where each time I go, the people know who I am and I have some kind of relationship with them. Thank you for that blessing, uh, because you know, I've found hotels that are safe enough, but I still have that feeling of being quite disconnected and, and just the thought that there's an answer to that problem. I'm really grateful for that. So thank you, everybody, for, for your sharing on these practical tips because it is really a, a, a tough place to be for me. And uh, I maybe seek out jobs where I, I, I have traveling. I don't know. I always like the autonomy of that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just grateful to hear that other people struggle and, and to hear your tips. It's really good. Thank you. Thanks. My name's Damien. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Damien. Uh, I've traveled all my working years, all my adult life, and uh, I've had a real problem on the road. I uh, I started acting out sexually, sex with self, uh, as soon as I was physically able. And um, in my family, religion was very powerful and sex was very taboo, and I had a real issue with girls. I could not relate to girls in high school. I had girlfriends, but sex on the sex side, it was, I was something was wrong with me. I was acting out every day at home, but not with them. And the same thing continued on to college. After college, I joined the Peace Corps, and I went away to uh, the heart of Africa. And I lost my inhibitions, and I learned about women, girls, sex, was everywhere. They had different attitude about it. It was freely available. And I I learned how to be sexually active with women. And, uh, and boy, I was. I was uh, there. I was a Peace Corps officer for two years. I had a great job. I worked hard. I, uh, I became a different person. I was uh, aggressive. I was uh, self-confident. And I... Uh, Extended for a third year. I had a good program. I worked in the bush doing village water supply. And uh, funny thing is, I met my wife there, my current wife. This was 1975, who came in uh, as a Peace Corps volunteer after I'd already been there two years. So I had a chance to stay on for a fourth year, wait for her. Not as a volunteer, I worked uh, at the U.S. Embassy. Continued to act out. We went home, we got married. I continued my sex with self, but I, I left other women alone um, until I got a job with the UN about seven years later. And we, we relocated to Africa and, uh, and it started again. I had to travel all over, all around a particular country and I began to become involved again with other women. Um, I got a job in the private sector after that, 1987, a job I'm still in job to, doing business development in Africa in the minerals sector and uh, we moved back to the states and I was then on the road two weeks three weeks five weeks going to uh, places like uh, Dakar and Conakry and Accra Abidjan Kinshasa uh, on business development trips and I would go with two or three credit cards five thousand dollars in my pocket 
from the company. Um, if I needed more money, I needed only to ask for it and it would be wired to me. I was expected to pick up the tab. My boss said to me, sometimes you have to sacrifice your body. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, you've got you to drink with these people. You've got you to find out what they're thinking, you know. And on the outside, I said, oh, that sounds, that sounds like rough. It's going to be a rough, uh, a rough uh, undertaking inside. I was just as happy as could be. You know, I hear guys talking about how they uh, spend a lot of money. They have financial difficulties because of their addiction. I never had anything at all. I could put whatever I wanted to on my expense account. And um, and that went on for 20 years. And uh, I've been sexually sober now for one year. The compulsion to masturbate has left me. And I've not had an, I've not traveled to these places again since a year ago. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I know I know I'm going to go there again eventually on this job. And in the back of my mind, I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I it's almost like it's a, a, a temptation. I, I know I can go back there and do it again. And sometimes I think that that's what I want to do. I have more tools now than I did. Um, you know, I'm not worried about the TV in the room. I'm worried about the people that I will meet. I never wanted to sleep alone when I was on these business trips. You know, I just I couldn't do it. And I, but I never found the you know the connection. I never found what I was looking for, and so I would have sometimes a, a different girl every night for five weeks. I'd like to find one that was. Uh, that we could click with and I could, you know, keep her. I'm really grateful for this topic because it's a problem that I'm struggling with. I have a trip to Angola coming up uh, next month and I'm, uh, I'm concerned about it. And uh, you've given me something to think about and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Good morning. I'm Bill. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. And uh, I, I do very much appreciate this topic. I, I am not the, the world traveler. Um, I have in my current job had the opportunity to travel um, to um, Western Europe, I think three times, and, and to India once. Um, uh, travel as a way of life for me or as a job really has only been the last seven years. Um, and I know one of the, my, I've been um, cursed and blessed with the aspects of this disease that do not include other women or prostitutes, but that include what a friend of mine in the program who has um, spent a lot of time and money with, with prostitutes and massages and, and that, uh, with, with the what he calls the, the crack cocaine, the Internet, um, which he was describing a, a slip to me in the recent past that he had on the Internet and just um, said, now I know what you're talking about. I belittled your version of the disease. Um, and he described in this detail the, the, the depths that, that, that the computer took him to that he had no idea. And he's been in recovery, I think, a dozen years. That said, um, my therapist said maybe two years ago, because I, we were, I was talking a lot about travel to him. And, and it's kind of, you know, information in, information out. I don't want to be negative and say garbage in, garbage out. But he was taking me down this road, and I'm still not sure if maybe I'm bargaining but he said, have you ever considered changing your job? I mean, this is survival for you. 
And, and that's an absolutely legitimate question. And I may be bargaining, and, and, and this may be the addict trying to talk, but my disease is a disease of, of a spiritual nature and of the heart, and I've had it since I was 12, 11, 10, I don't know exactly when it started. Um, it's not the travel. The travel is the trigger of the day. If, I'm, if my, my job is, 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 you know, at home in the town or within three or four towns and I go, I do think I need structure. So I, I'm not an outside rep. I manage outside reps now. Um, I basically, uh, for three years, I was a territory manager up in the Northeast, and now I, I am, um, I, I either go, I, I work for most of the days of the month in an office, which I think I need that structure. But when I go on the road for one to two weeks a month or every other month, um, I get on a plane and then I, I go to areas, and, and I, I like that a lot. Um, but for me, my disease is is one of the heart and of a spiritual nature that I need to fix. But I so I so very much like what I'm hearing in that, yeah, that's true, but if you have to take your job to get the sobriety run that you need, Bill, to get a jump on it, then that's what you need to do. That That's what it's about. Um, I very much appreciate hearing the, um, the you know, staying, uh, not staying in, in hotels, um, staying in um, guest houses. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, and now I now wonder if every person I've ever talked to that said, "Oh no, I've, I really I stay at B 2 B's when I go." Oh, maybe maybe they're sex addicts like me, um, and or they you know, and or they like to see the color of 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 the, the places they go to. And that's something I appreciate your comment on 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 that, that on that well worn white book with the color on the pages. Um, there is so much color in the world, and. These places I've been to, um, as limited as, as they are, but be it around the states or be it overseas, there's so much color and there's so much beauty in the world that I, um, I, I'm seeing a little love with recovery. That there's so much more to see um, through sobriety and and to use these trips and to have God and bless these trips and I surrender God, my surrender my will to God to bless the trips and the hotel rooms as tools of recovery instead of tools of um, the addiction is, is such a hope um, for me. Um, and I think that that's all I have to say, but I very much appreciate the, the topic and, and learning um, and hearing um, from all you folks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else who'd like to? My name is Glenn. I am a sexaholic. Hey, Glenn. Um, I had a problem last night as far as uh, just trying to get to sleep. I um, talked to someone um, earlier, about 9 o'clock or 8.30. They told me that they had uh, acted out, masturbated that night or the night before. He was talking about how hopeless he felt that he'd come to this place, this convention, and acted out. Uh, I listened, listened, uh, but I had a rough night last night in that I'm from St. Louis, and um, just listening to him and hearing his story, um, my, my head started rolling, and that, you know, no, uh, 
nobody will know. Uh, I guess someone will know, but uh, I'm here, and uh, I, I just felt that disconnect, that um, that uh, unaccountability grabbed me, and uh, uh, running through my head, his situation and what he could have done didn't do me good at all. I had a I had a bad night. I had a bad night. Uh, a night that I thought was going to be restful and. Uh, me pray and meditate. I, I was uh, trying to fight my addict, and it it, it, uh, it didn't it didn't it didn't work. It didn't work. I I, I just want to say that uh, uh, I didn't act out, but uh, uh, um, I don't know. Just really really uh, amazed at at the. Uh, at how this thing is unrelenting. It, it doesn't take a break. So, uh, sort of, I guess I'm sort of frustrated from the point of view of um, of, uh, of having so much lust. That's what I want to say. It's being so, so having a tremendous amount of lust uh, that I just didn't even know I had. You know, I was cruising along and everything was cool until I had the conversation and then I, you know, but just just a tremendous amount of lust that I had and, and um, you know, I was thinking about maybe, maybe making a phone call or maybe having to leave my room and, and go downstairs and finding someone to talk to, but uh, it, was, it was bad. That's what I got. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else uh, want to come up for a share? Okay, um, where am I? I would just like to maybe add my two cents worth, uh, and by way of, uh, maybe also just occurred to me by way of summary of what I heard, I want to use this event itself as a reflection on travel, because uh, I myself am, am used, I need structure. I've only understood that when I've been in the program now for the last three months, that what's been lacking in my life is structure. I often saw myself as a free spirit, the one who was totally open to the will of God, you know, thy will be done. Yes, Father, you know, I call God Father and, uh, you know, let life dictate to me whatever should be done. You know, I was really delusional at the time. Uh, and I was perfectly responsive. But I like some of the things that I hear. For example, when I came to this hotel, did I pray to dedicate my room to sobriety? You know, I, I did. Did I call ahead to remove the TV? I didn't. And I... Uh, like our brother here was just saying, I had a difficult time these two these two evenings. Both evenings, I had to do my ritual, which was watch TV till 12. So even if the program ended at 11.30, 11.30 to 12, I have to watch TV, you know, which is not a good space to be in because it felt to me like I was whipped. And yesterday, the uh, we had the comedy program that ended by 12, but I still had to go in and then continue to watch past 12, which means that my addict really dictates uh, something to me. Um, so that's not good. Um, the idea of calling central office before traveling, you know, I think my problem is I've been so used to living my own life according to my own dictates. It's still hard for me to call and get direction from somebody else. You know, so that's a, a big problem. Um over these last three days, I mean, there have been some very externally uh, attractive uh, women here also. So 
did I pray for custody of the senses or sitting in a place that wasn't too uh, triggering uh, uh, during the, this conference um, and not traveling in fear uh, I put on you initially God is my co-pilot but I think that's my addict speaking really uh, I think God should be the pilot so uh, I don't know where I do that the books on tape another good idea um, staying in touch with your spouse or with friends from SA was one of the things I did do I, I called up some guys from the fellowship who could not make the a trip here because they are they are bound by uh, certain restrictions you know they're they are considered uh, uh, level one sex offenders, so they can't travel out of a certain period. So I call them just to stay in touch with them. I must say that's at least, a, for me, a move in the right direction. Because before, I would come to something like this, and in terms of my addictive behavior, it's all about me. My version of the Trinity is I, me, and myself. You know. So, uh, but I call somebody else to just say, I'm thinking about you, and this is the convention coming to you which is a big move for me, actually. Um, the other thing that's gone right out the window is all my spiritual disciplines over these three days. Normally, I get up in the morning, I do my meditation, I have my prayers, and this and, but funny that I come for this convention and I'm way out there, you know. Uh, but the thing that has helped me is that with this addiction, I've one of the gifts I've had that I've perverted is a sense of humor. And I think I learned to laugh at myself and say, man, you're really crazy, you know. So, and just let it go. Just let it go, you know. Someone has said changing your jobs. Uh, that's not in the my uh, particular uh, uh, plan, but uh, might be a good idea. The other thing was whether you plan your whether you plan your trip and structure your time, because now I realize for me one of my biggest problems is I have to have my time structured. Uh, and what I did over these three days was leave the responsibility of that to the convention, which was not a right move. You know, I'm always trying to give my responsibility over to somebody else. So I think what I need to do is not just say, oh, well, you know, it's the fault of the convention or something, which is when I was on my self-pity pot, but to say, no, I, I need to structure my own time. I need to take control of my own life. Um, and the other point, staying in the guest house and or the bed and breakfast, you know, I, because of the consequences of my disease, uh, I've been uh, uh, thrown out of some places and I've been looking for a room for the longest time now. Uh, and because of working the program, uh, I finally got a, a real nice place in New Rochelle. But it's very interesting as listening to people talk about the guest house and all this. I realized in my priority, I wanted to stay with a family. I needed to stay with a family, actually. And what God gave me was a lovely family with two adopted children from China and a dog. You know? Uh, and it's just, uh, I realize I need that kind of contact. So if, if I think if you, if you are really serious about looking for what you need, and if you surrender it to your higher power, if you don't compromise and don't settle for less, God in His good time will 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 answer that answer that prayer. I've I've come to realize that more and more. Um, so that's just by way of summary. Uh, once again, is there anyone else would like to add something? Yeah. I'm Dave Sexaholic. Hi, Dave. Uh, I listen to. I, I've discovered the joy of listening to books on on disc and getting them from the library, and it really does help spend the time. Um, but I, I think what I want to say is I don't fear my disease anymore. I don't fear 
I don't live in fear that I'm going to act out. I don't fear the disease. I respect the disease. And so I do the things, uh, the prayers, I, I take the steps to, to say, yes, I know you're outside the door doing push-ups. And so I respect the disease, but I don't live in fear. I, I have a higher power that, gee, he's in these rooms and he's in Oklahoma and I guess he's in the middle of Papua New Guinea or in the middle of Mongolia or someplace else and uh, can keep me sober those places if he can keep me sober on the highway going from my home to a meeting. So uh, don't fear, respect. Thank you. So once again, uh, there's no one else who'd like to, no burning desire to share. Okay, uh, once again, we'd like to uh, thank uh, Dave for uh, his wisdom and sharing, and also for his uh, what, 17 years of sobriety. That's a, that's a great uh, victory for all of us. And uh, the rest of you for sharing your strength, experience, and hope. Uh, remember, this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories here are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside. Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about in, about in essay to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. After a moment of silence for the sick and suffering inside and outside these rooms, let us close with the third step prayer. Let's just gather around the table here. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back and worship your work it, so work it, your worth it. All that other stuff. I didn't. I didn't. I never got this. It won't if you don't. One day at a time. Tomorrow's too late. I didn't even remember that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for leading that and adding your your wisdom. I think so. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. I can imagine because even for me, although I'm not traveling externally, just having these changes like that. I was. I mean, I was so used to my timetable. Whenever I don't have a timetable, it just gets. It's so hard for me, you know. It really is. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. What the fellow said about. Kind of excited to go to Asia. Deviant behavior, being, you know, worrying about. Just, it was kind of my fancy. And that is to go and, uh, being in charge. Colleague, what you do, you good, know, but I still a, got myself very powerful you know, really thing. Kind of, uh, yeah. I bought phone cards and they lasted 30 anyway, seconds. You know, when are you going back? I think we're actually on, on Skype. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed, to, I'm, I'm supposed to head back yeah. with uh, Roger, but is there, is there a closing yeah. session? Yes, right? next. Having a good connection, next but it's, uh, I get so disconnected. Where is that? Thanks. Nice working together. We'll do it some other time.
It's, uh, yeah, this is what I realised in the past, yeah, from the moment I got in the app. Oh, it's 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 yeah, I could never understand why I ever acted out before I got to the hotel. Just because I was completely in my own head, in my own world, I was, you know. And, yes, it's still a tricky area, but, you know, the, the thing about the guest house, that's, you know, I mean, TV here was no bother, but the TV is a nightmare. You know, I, I kind of put the zapper away if they can't take it out of the room. I put the card with the movies yeah. in the drawer, and I put the, you know anything that's a, a trigger away. But uh, sometimes, you know, when the hole appears, um, I mean, I'm, I'm terminally mean as well. So if I'm somewhere where you know it's going to cost me you know twenty or thirty euros to make a phone call. I'll tough it out. I'm in Germany, but uh, okay. I mean, again, Germany was a place where you know, all I ever thought about in Germany was you know, acting out places and actually to be living there 18 months and realize that, you know, I know lots of Germans, I go to church there, I have friends there, I, you know, I've been to Hamburg and enjoyed the fact it's a beautiful city and, you know, never ever been near the red light district, yeah. but, you know, for me, that was the only thing I knew about Hamburg. But it's uh, it's the disconnection that's the problem. You know, when I'm connected, it's it's not a problem. So uh, yeah, but to hear that you're travelling everywhere, and, oh, that's good. I, uh, <laughs> last year stayed in was in Papua New Guinea, staying with the tribal chief and his five wives, <laughs> and saw. Well, I don't want to be in a situation with five wives, and and he's one of us. He, uh, yeah, you know, five wives wasn't enough. You know, go, out, go to Australia and do things, and anyway, but he wasn't ready to listen. Was not ready. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, I was in Uganda, uh, and I was actually staying at an orphanage, and it was a very, very spiritual time for me. But uh, you know, when I went to church in Uganda and they were preaching about you know, um, having multiple wives, I mean, the Bible actually calls you to have one wife, and you just realise that you know, culturally, you know, some yeah. people are just at such a different, coming at things from yeah. such a different place. There, there's, there's a story in one. Quan Parker, the last chief of the, the war chief of the Comanches. Uh, had five wives and uh, lived in the star house and, and he was also the first peace chief and uh, <coughs> was able to make that that, brand, that, that step over and uh, Teddy Roosevelt would come out to Oklahoma and go hunting and, and he and Juan Parker became friends and he was staying in star house with Juan Parker Teddy Roosevelt said, now you're in a U.S. territory and, and you're civilized now and uh, uh, you need to only have one wife. And Quan Parker said, <coughs> all right, you tell them which one. <laughs> and Teddy Roosevelt says, uh, well, don't get any more unless they die off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so what uh, 
What branch of the church are you involved with? In, in well, I, I am a Methodist, but um, uh, I, I've been a storyteller for a long time and uh, uh, start, started playing with strings, you know, these games that people used to do. Yeah. And uh, discovered that these work for Bible concepts and stories. And so, you know, it's something as simple as if you're not connected, if you can connect with God, yeah. it makes you whole and complete. Or you can be alone. Or, uh, you know, to do. God created the stars. He created the, the sun. And as the sun goes down, He created light and dark and said it was good. And, and, and I can teach that in, in three minutes to somebody. And so, you know, I take strings and I teach these to people so that then they can retell themselves the creation story or... I listened to you that around the I was trying yeah. to think of that a lot of elastic bands yeah. like Harvey or yeah. what was that? <laughs> and and <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm going next Friday, I'm coming back to Newark to go to Tel Aviv. Uh, I'm going to spend 18 days in Bethlehem working with Palestinian kids in schools and orphanages, taking 4,000 streams and uh, teach them string games and that. Uh, went to Papua New Guinea to 5,000 streams there. Just did string every place. And uh, uh, it's only because of recovery that I can do that. Uh, you know, as, as uh, Mark was saying last night, you know, our creativity opens up, just yeah. blossoms, and, and uh, you know, there was there. This was never used in ministry, and God just kind of goes. So we're done. Wonderful. We ended a little early. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.